This is episode number 117 of the Helping of Happiness podcast. Today we've got Jen Geigel Johnson on today. She's an author and she's talking to us all about the power of story. Hi, you're listening to Helping of Happiness. I'm your host, Hilary Hess, a crazy mom of seven kids who loves to eat and love to travel. Mom life can be exhausting, hectic, and scary at times, so let's take this journey together. We can love, we can learn, we can laugh, we can cry, and we can become better friends while we're at it. Super excited for you to meet our guest, Jen Geigel Johnson, today on our podcast. But um, one thing before we get into the chat, I forgot to mention while we were talking about Jen's giveaway. Jen is a writer of many books. Her newest one coming out is called A Foreign Crown, and it's coming out on August 3rd was when it's launching. And she has offered to give away a signed copy of this book. So all you need to do to enter the giveaway is there's a couple things you can do. You can either rate, review our podcast on Apple Podcasts. You can tag a friend in a comment on one of our social posts, or you can subscribe to our newsletter. So any of those three things will get you into the drawing for this really, really cool signed copy of A Foreign Crown. So uh, make sure that you do that. We'll have links to all this in the show notes. Without any further ado, let's meet Jen. So excited to be here today with Jen Johnson, our amazing author. Hello, Jen. Hi, I'm so happy to come. I love this. This is so fun. I can't wait to chat with you about your books and all the cool things that you're doing in your mom life. So before we get going on the books, will you tell us a little bit about you and your family? Well, sure. I'd love to. So I live in Texas, not too far from you. And that's kind of fun. And I have, um, we have six kids and my husband and I have lived here for about 15 years. My two oldest have gone away to college and they come back now and then and we miss them every day. Others, my third oldest is a senior. So we are just Every day is crazy busy with all of their schedules. So I have a lot going on, just keeping everyone's life in place where it needs to be. But everyone's, we're all pretty happy about it. We love, we love being together. And this COVID has just brought us a little bit tighter in a unit than I've really appreciated like the last couple months we've had together. So I love that. You know, one thing I've learned from myself in COVID is that I actually must like being busy because I haven't slowed down at all since this started. And I thought, oh, we'll just slow down. We'll all be home. And no, we're just going probably at the same pace or just as fast, maybe a little faster. I think as a mom, <laughs> I think that's, I think our, our personal responsibilities as a mom during COVID amped up a lot. Oh yeah, totally. It's all, yeah. On, it's all on the mom really. And so I found myself the same way. Like everyone's like, all you have to do to save people in COVID is watch TV. And I thought if only that were the case, (laughs) maybe my kids can say that, but I, on the other hand, am keeping the whole boat going here. So, yeah. Oh, I love it. Okay. Well, today we are going to talk about you being an author. Will you tell us how this came about? When did you start writing? When did that burning desire happen or? I had a lot of fun. Um, This is a great story. I I feel um, super 
super blessed, honestly. So I've always wanted to write. When I, when I went to college at BYU, I majored in English. They didn't have a real writing emphasis then, but I took every class I could on that had anything to do with writing. And um, anyway, so I was kind of in my head preparing to write, but as I started to have all my children and I had them pretty quickly close together, all of my six, I found that it was hard for me to dedicate some concentrated time towards writing. Like I yes. just, how do you I'm, do that? <laughs> well, I know, I know a lot of moms who are able to like sit down in the morning and write, and then that's all they do for writing in the day. And then by doing that, they write a whole book in a year. Like you can just really schedule your time. I was not one of those moms. So I, I would, I get very consumed and lost in my story. And I found myself um, saying, just a minute, just a minute, just a minute to the kids too many times. And it started to, to bother me. Like I was paying attention to that. And anyway, I, I just woke up one day and realized this is not my time. So it was a little bit of a sad choice and it's not everybody's choice. Like I said, I know tons of moms that can do it, but my brain just cannot. So I put it aside. I put it on a shelf. This is about, you know, 20 years ago. And I um, just kind of forgot about my writing dream. I was consumed with being a mom and I loved it. And I found a lot of joy and purpose in, you know, creating these beautiful children and raising them and all the things that we had as frustrating, as hard as it is. That's where I was finding my joy and satisfaction. But when the baby went to kindergarten and I looked around at my house and I thought, is my job to clean up while they're at school and then wait for them <laughs> to get home? Like, what is my purpose in life here? Um, it's like I had a, an opportunity fall in my lap with, um, there's a local theater called Artisan Center Theater and they needed a play written from a book. And I was on their board. So, so my kids do theater. So I was on their board of directors and I just heard that they needed this play written. And I was like, I want to write. Anyway, it just sort of happened. That is so right? cool. And that created this new desire in me. And I remembered my dream, dusted it off the shelf. And I said, oh, yeah, this is what I really wanted to do. This is my thing. And it like, I mean, it has not slowed down since then. This was back in 2014. And I have written like crazy since then. And it's been, I just feel like now is my time. Like I even though that I forgot about it, it's, it was not forgotten. And now is my time and I'm loving every second of it. So that's my story. I love the times and seasons stories because it makes me feel like, okay, I don't have to do all my dreams all at once because in my like little hearts of hearts, I just want to do everything all the time. So that makes me feel like, okay, okay, I can wait. It'll be okay. And then everything will be much better if I just do it at the right time and trying it when it's all happening at once. And I hate that feeling when you're pulled in different directions and hang on kids, hang on, you know, Yep. I really, really, I really feel like there's a time and a place for everything that's good in our lives. And I'm so grateful this is a necessary part of mine. I don't think I could be who I am completely without taking this journey. And I just feel like it was meant to be in every way. So that's, I believe that there's time and a place. So cool. Okay. So I want to talk about the power of a story because this is something that, that is really special to you. So why are stories so important? Why are stories important in our family? Can you kind of go on that a little bit? Oh, I'd love to. I'd love, love to. So I just don't think there's a better way to teach anything or to experience anything than through story. So they, they even have scientific studies that when you're 
reading a story, you're participating in it. Your brain fires off like they've monitored people's heads and their brains and they fire off as though they're experiencing the story. So um, that and the fact that we see, like I read the scriptures a lot, you see that there's a lot of stories in the scriptures and you see um, a lot of powerful things being taught through the pages of a book. So I, this applies to movies and to you know other, other forms of media also, but our brains are wired to learn through story. And we get, we feel the emotions of our characters in a way that um, the only other way to experience it would be to live through it ourselves. And we can't have that many life experiences, but we can read about them and it increases our empathy and it changes us as people and it helps us, um, it just helps us grow and become different than we ever would have. So knowing all these things, I also recognize that it's a responsibility to create a story. So um, from that end of it, I take a lot of care and always, always try to live by my mantra, which is to create stories that are immersive, that pull people in, but that when they're finished, they feel like they're better because they've been there. They're better because they knew my people. They're better because they lived in my world. Um, I really take that seriously. And I try to love the people on the other side of the pages more than I love my book. So, uh, you know, it's interesting as we're participating in story and we're watching Netflix all day or binging on the latest <laughs> There's been a lot or, of binging happening for us lately. <laughs> you know, like all of those things, a lot of good things are happening through story and, and maybe some that you don't love. So it's just one of those situations to be careful what stories you let yourself live through and to learn from them. Like you can learn, and I'm not talking about, you know, an occasional swear word here and there. I'm talking about the powerful message in the story. You know, what is this, what's the story doing to change you? And I just feel like stories are powerful that way. They will create change in you and you can address it. Like if your kids saw something really concerning, you can address it and help revamp the change, right? It's not a permanent change, but it's a change. And you can learn empathy for those you would never know. And you can be taught all kinds of things. So story's powerful. And I, as I considered writing a nonfiction or a self-help, I just keep going back to the fact that my fictions are self-helps. And you know, that there's a lot that happens in this, in a, an immersive story that you might not catch any reader any other way. So that's my, that's my whole deal in a tiny little nutshell about story. I feel like it's powerful and useful. I remember a time in my life when I used to say, I don't have a lot of minutes in my day to read. So I'm gonna make sure I read, you know, what they felt good about reading, like my scriptures, and then maybe mm -hmm. a nonfiction self-help, and maybe a TED talk that was geared towards, you know, motherhood or whatever. And I used to think that, and that if I read a fiction, it was just a frivolous kind of wasteful time of my day. And I just don't think that anymore at all. I feel like it has, I think if everyone would read fiction, that the world would be more empathetic. I think we wouldn't have a lot of this fighting that we have going on if people would reach out, read things that are outside their perspective and try to understand. I just feel like, anyway, that's my major soapbox. So that's why I do what I do. I may write a nonfiction someday, but for now, I just feel like there's a greater impact through story. 
I love that so much. And I love how you talked about how you used to read a lot more of like the self-help. And I mean, of course, scriptures, I do my scriptures every morning and I definitely get more out of the stories than I do when it's just doctrine in there. So I love that you talked about that. I love the stories. It kind of keeps me engaged, but I've started reading fiction at night before I go to sleep because I was missing reading in my day. There just was no time for it. And I just love it. And it helps me forget my craziness of the world and I just get sucked in there and it's like it tucks me into bed at night. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. It helps just bring down that stress and I just try to read things that I really love so that I go to bed happier. Is that funny or weird? Anyway. I can't tell you how many people I've heard say that. I'm the exact same way and I, I feel like it's valuable. So even the power of a story that is happening but also this idea of resetting and taking a break and you're letting your mind think about something totally outside of yes, your Yes, not in my world. I don't yeah. want to be in my world when I'm going to sleep at night because then my brain's just going to be running and I'm going to be yep. thinking about all the things that I have to do or the problems of my relationships or, you know, just worry, worry, worry. And that just really helps take that worry out of it. And sometimes I don't even read that much because I'm so tired at the end of the day. I read a page or two and I'm <laughs> totally knocking out. But man, it sure helps a lot for me to but I love those stories. That's so, so good. So do you have some tips for us for having families tell more stories or read stories together? I love that. And I try to do this. Um, We're a hit and miss kind of family about this. So I, over the years, have tried multiple times to sit down and read a book chapter by chapter with Mm -hmm. all the kids, you know? Mm -hmm. So it happened a lot more when they were little. My youngest is 11 and my oldest is 22. So I can grab the younger few and they still love this. Like we could go through a Harry Potter book or we can go through all these different ones. My older ones are kind of like, they, they'll join us a little bit here and there. What I love um, to take this kind of a step further is just the idea of family stories. So the stories that we're creating together and our own family history stories and the stories of grandpa and grandma and all that. And I think those turn out to be powerful on a whole other level because it's like they're, it's like they're our identity as a family, or it's like their own written, you know, life lessons told through people who, who love them kind of thing. So I think that's also pretty cool. And I try to retell, we don't really have those in a volume necessarily. Like there are some, but they're hard to read through like all people's old journals. (laughs) So we just like, we like will retell stories in that way. And I think in that way, the story is powerful on a whole other level just the retelling and the, the family identity and the coming together family goals. So we do a little bit of that. Um, over COVID though, I have to say all of that fell apart and we binge watched like every Marvel, every (laughs) single Harry Potter multiple times, like every single like Pirates of the Caribbean, like all those marathon series. Yes. And those are, those can be powerful in their own way, right? Like my kids, oh, every Star Wars, like they'll now go back and make connections to their favorite movies when we're talking about important things. And they'll be like, no, it's like that moment when this guy did that. And that has power too, because in that way they're relating to the emotion they experienced through the movie, uh, you know, whatever. So I wish a lot of that had been more actual book reading, but it's just what happened. Everybody was bored out of their mind by seven o'clock at night and we're like okay it's family oh, that's movie us night. every night it's been family movie night and it's still continues. 
<laughs> yeah. Funny. Yeah. It's true. Well, it's now it's summer. So, and we can't really do much in this, this particular summer. So by yes. seven, we've done a lot of things in the day already. So, and I believe that has a place too. That is also a powerful story in its own way. So yeah, so that's what, that's, those are kinds of things we do. I love it if it's a tradition and it happens if it's a routine, right? So if it's important to you and your family to experience stories together, then you set up the routine. And so when they were little and we would read, it was just part of our quiet time. And mm-hmm. then we would go to bed and it was just, it was special. And I loved that. Um, when they, when they're going in a million directions, our quiet time involves family devotional, you know, and then like family movie night because they have no more patience for my reading. Oh, totally. Yeah. Anyway, so it's all about routine, but I think it can be powerful. No, I love that so much. And actually makes me feel less guilty about all the movies that we are watching every night. (laughs) (laughs) Because we do try to have a pretty active day and then about dinner time, well, after dinner, that's kind of when it goes on. And then we kind of go our own ways after that. But I think it is something that is neat when we are all, at least we're all watching it together as a family. It's not like we're going off in different rooms and I'm just watching by myself. So that is one fun thing, I guess, that we are sharing these marathon movies together. (laughs) It's been a fun family bonding and it's been cool to talk about the issues that maybe don't apply to our family value system. We will talk about them after. And it's interesting to hear my kids' perspectives and it's definitely a learning opportunity as well as just, you know, a relax. But by the end of the day, because moms are so heavily involved right now too, we need a sanity break. And if it's, you know, everybody's engaged in something that we don't have to create, that's kind of a nice break. And like, I remember early mom, my bedtime was like eight o'clock. So now my bedtime's like midnight. No, what is the deal with that? These older kids are killing me, but yet my three-year-old is still up. I'm like, oh, yes. Yes. So, yes, that's five more hours that you're not used to, you know, being totally cre- the creator of all that's good for your kids. So it's like, please experience this story that someone spent millions of dollars to create for you. It's good, you know, and then you can talk about what we learned. And I mean, obviously there are, everyone can be inspired and guided and directed about their own family teaching, right? So you can know what movies you will and will not allow in that right. time frame, but Story's powerful even, you know, in all ways. I prefer books, but, you know. <laughs> I love books, too. Let's talk about um, your books a little bit. Do you want to tell me, because you write about romance. So I tell do. me, why, what do you love, what do you love writing about romance so much? What is that? <laughs> What's about all that that just get you so excited yeah. about it. Why did I do that? You know, why? so <laughs> romance has an interesting reputation. So it's, it's um, something I have to explain sometimes, not to you, but to, to others who wonder, why are you writing? You know, I've had ladies at, in, um, like at a trade fair I went to that she looked at my book, Romance. Oh, I don't read those. I'm married. And just like stomped <laughs> away. And it's just, I would like to say romance is not about whatever she's thinking it's about. So romance is about the most powerful emotion that we've been gifted with. It helps us understand intimacy on all levels. I write very clean romance. So they call it clean or sweet. It's family friendly. My teenage daughters read it. It doesn't go into anything behind bedroom doors. So, but even in that, even those kind of romances, there's, um, it helps people understand intimacy. It helps us understand how to show and receive love. It's all about character. So you can't write a romance. It's 
driven by an action paced scene, right? You have to analyze two people and how they communicate and how they show love and how they misunderstand and how they resolve conflict. Um, romance is a lot about conflict resolution. Um, it teaches all kinds of, of things as far as um, interpersonal relationships. It also sets up quick, um, <laughs> quick resolutions because of the nature of the way the books are, are written, which I think can or cannot be a detriment. It just depends on why you're reading a romance. If you expect life to be as easily resolved as the quick, you know, ending and a happy kiss, there's more after that last page, right? So Ooh, yeah, that's but, when it really gets hard. I feel like. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But the romance really is not about that part. It's about the falling in love. And when you finally decide that these two people make a better whole together than they do alone. And so I love that. I could, I could read that over and over and over again. And if you think about it, like we're all part of a love story, you know, whether or not our parents' love story worked out, it created us. And so we're, it's just so intricately connected to who we are and why we're here on earth. And I just think it's powerful. So my, my love stories though, that aside, they tend to have a lot of extra stuff in them. So I I write during a time period in England, 1820, 1810, Jane Austen sort of time period. Um, if you're, if you're familiar with that. Yes, love all those. I know, so do I. <laughs> it's a time period of great change. So there's so much interesting extra detail that I can add that I find it hard to resist. So my romances tend to have double or triple plot lines. So there's a lot going on in history in my books. I, I look for a, one or two characters in history that are almost forgotten, that aren't really covered that maybe did noble things. And I like to give them an extra footprint in my novel, like just one extra remembrance so that the, their noble lives aren't forgotten. I, it's just a thing. I love I that. I don't, I can't, I don't know where it came from. It's just, I have to do it. So um, if you read my books, you'll always find, and I do author notes at the end, you'll always find um, bits of history in there that maybe you've never heard of. And I incorporate them into my story. So it flows as if it's part of my own character's, you know, life. And that's, so my romances tend to be just a little bit different than maybe your typical, even covenant book. I, you know, I just add, I add a little extra and that's kind of, I think just part of my personality. I couldn't, I couldn't leave it alone when I discovered some <laughs> of this cool stuff. So I put it in there. Um, I, do you want me to talk about my book coming? Um, as, yes, yeah? definitely. Okay. Yes. Okay. Well, I didn't know for sure. So I have a book called A Foreign Crown that's launching in August. So just as an example, this book, I learned that um, some of the women, the, the, all the ladies in waiting to queens, I used to think of them as servants, but really they're duchesses. They're women of high rank in England and it's been that way forever. So I was kind of trying to think of a story wrapping around this idea of ladies in waiting and then I thought, what if she meets a prince in court? So this book starts out very fanciful. It's like a woman meets a prince and there's a royalty aspect. And if she marries him, she becomes a princess. And it's just very, very, very romantic and fanciful in theory. So it starts out like that. But if you're going to deal with um, the royal court in England in 1810, there's a lot going on during that time period. There's, uh, oh my word, so many things. So I... I the book became so much more than their sweet, fanciful romance. And 
what's cool about this one is that you just get a front row seat to the time when a prince of England became acting king. They called him a regent, he, and it started the whole regency time period. So that the events leading up to the time that Prince George became Prince George Regent because his father was kind of losing his mind. So you get a close one-on-one -on -one with the Queen of England and how she's dealing with her husband's failing mental capacity. And you get a, a closer eye to the Prince as he's got all this new responsibility on him. Um, there's a lot of undesirable things that happened at court back then. I just don't deal with those as much. I gloss over them because nobody wants to read about that. At least I don't. And in the midst <laughs> of all that, you've got this woman falling in love with her prince who's there from, I created a fictional European country. So he's visiting and it's, so I have a lot of fun. So that's an example of how it works. Like I've got my love story, but they're placed in the middle of a real thing. And I find that real thing super engaging. So Anyway, this one's coming out in August. So August 3rd. Yay! You can find it. It's on Amazon pre-order. You can get it. Um, actually, the, if you get it on pre-order, the ebook, if you're an ebook fan, it's really cheap right now. It'll go up, but right now it's like $5.99 or something. But they're usually like 10 bucks for ebooks or 16 for print, which I think is a little bit pricey. <laughs> Just so you know. <laughs> Full disclosure, but it's okay. They're worth it. Anyway, but this book, the print is absolutely gorgeous. So it's one of those ones where I, if I got the ebook early, I would get a print copy anyway. I just think they're super pretty. The artwork is great. I want to hang it on my wall. It's just great. Right. Really the artwork is really pretty. I wish our audience could see it right now. We'll have to take a picture of it and put it in the show notes because it really is beautiful artwork. Who does your artwork? A Covenant does it. There's a woman named Hannah that did this particular artwork. Let me tell you. Let me see if I can find her name. But she's she just she works in their graphic design. So Covenant's graphic design works together on him. But Hannah's the initial. Let's see. Yeah, Hannah Bischoff. So she, and then they used an oil painting called the Windsor Castle by Brett and James. And then of course there's a boat in there and I don't know where they got the boat from, but, but <laughs> Hannah, Hannah put them all together and made it really beautiful. So I appreciate them for that. Covenant's fabulous to work with. That is so neat. So is there anything else? Let's talk about what are some of the books that are out right now that we can get from you? Oh, fun. Um, I launched one in April. So that's called His Lady in Hiding. I, like I said, I've been writing like crazy. So I have multiple books out almost monthly. You could get a book from me. That's amazing. <laughs> that is amazing. So it's a little crazy. What I did is Covenant could fit me in their publishing schedule once or twice a year, right? So, um, and they're very kind to accept my books. I'm sure there will be one that they don't accept someday, but so far <laughs> we're, we have a good partnering going on. So His Lady in Hiding came out in April, and then I had a book come out in May called The Earl's Winning Wager. So in between these big covenant books I have, I publish smaller, um, more simple, simply plotted books that are part of a series. So I've got the Sisters, Lords for the Sisters of Sussex series. <laughs> Try to say that in one. one, one <laughs> I'll say that five times. <laughs> yeah. And it, um, it is, those I just put out by myself. And the idea is just to stay relevant to put out some more stories. I know Covenant will never have time to publish. Uh, so I just do it because I figure let's get them out there. I, you know, I, yeah. I write like I'm running out of time. Like I watched Hamilton the other night. So why do I write like I'm running out of time? I just do. And so his lady in hiding is a covenant book and it's fun. It's a maid in disguise story. So she pretends to be a maid to run away from a really undesirable um, fiance 
and she ends up going all the way to Philadelphia. So it's kind of interesting, set in a whole other part of the world, part of it's in Philadelphia, part of it's in London. And then the Sisters of Sussex is a family of five girls that are sisters, and I love telling each one of their romances. I'm really caught up in this family and who they are and their different personalities. And book three of that series launches in uh, like a week. And that's called um, Her Lady's Whims and Fancies. <laughs> I love it. But if you were to look up my name on Amazon, you would see all these books. So you, it's just a matter of finding me. And then, you know, you can read what you want and choose, pick and choose which ones you want to delve into and try that kind of thing. So there's so a lot. Awesome. So awesome. Okay. So let's tell everybody where we can find you really quick so they can hear your handle. Oh, Okay, so it's Jen Geigel Johnson is my full name. So if you were to do, I have um, a Facebook author account, author Jen Geigel Johnson. I have a website, Jen Geigel Johnson. I have an Instagram. I just call myself Authorly Jen. Um, but if you were to just look on Amazon and just type in Jen Johnson, or even, I think you would just, it would pull me up and you would see, um, a foreign crown or you would see his lady in hiding or any of the other books and click on my name and you'll get to my author account on Amazon. That's an easy way to find all the books in one place. I do keep my website up to date. Once you learn how to spell my maiden name, you're golden. <laughs> G E I G L E. If you need That's that. it. You got it. That's the one. And then you can find me on all, I mean, I have a Twitter, I have a Pinterest. You can find me anywhere. Uh, and my email is jen at jengeigeljohnson.com. So. And we'll link to all these in the show notes so that they can just oh, go absolutely. to the show notes and just tap, tap, tap and find you super easy. Thank you. I appreciate that. That's yes. fabulous. Okay. Anything else you'd like to share before we go on to our helpful and happy questions? No, I am. I've loved sharing my books with you. I'm really reachable. If you have questions, um, if you're an ARC reader, like you enjoyed writing reviews for authors, reach out. I'm always happy to build a relationship that way. I have a growing ARC team. Um, otherwise, yeah, I, I have a newsletter. If you want to keep in touch, all the links will be in there. Um, yeah, I just really love connecting with readers. So I appreciate this time so much, Hillary. Thank you for this. Well, and I love to read. So I'm always excited when I find new material that I can just delve into. So I'm really excited to get reading. And I don't know, just romance, especially when it's clean and you're not getting dragged through the mud. It's just really such a fun genre. I love it. So fun. Okay. Well, let's go into our three helpful and happy questions. If you're ready for those. I'm ready. Hopefully I have anything of benefit here. <laughs> I think it's going to be great. So the reason I throw these in here is that these questions tie in our podcast with the Helping of Happiness blog that I write. And so on the blog, it's not only the podcast archive, but it covers food, family travel, and homemaking hacks. So our first question is going to be, what is your favorite food or meal? I've been thinking about this. So I tend to have different tastes than my children, right? So is this my favorite meal to make because it makes the whole family happy? Why don't we or, tell both? What's your okay. favorite family one and then your favorite personal one? Okay, so this is crazy and you guys are thinking I'm so boring, but I have two favorites for our family and it's because they're healthy, simple, and every child will eat them. And okay, that's all the meals that we need to know about. <laughs> and one of them, you guys probably all do this yourself. One of them is, is our fallback of spaghetti, right? Has anyone, everyone's like me, right? Oh, yes. So, of course. We had it last night. Yes. So <laughs> I, 
Now, the way I do spaghetti, because I kind of get tired of it too, because they love it all so much, I just have separate noodles, separate, separate sauce, and then I have other toppings you can put on your noodles if you're not in the mood for spaghetti. So like- So it's like got, a spaghetti buffet. Yes, so we <gasps> make a spaghetti buffet. <laughs> so sometimes I'm in the mood for parsley and olive oil on my spaghetti, and I just say, this is mom's meal, and then sometimes, there's Alfredo available, right? Or there's, um, there's always shredded cheese. There's different kinds of meat, like we'll have meatballs or the regular hamburger. I mean, there's just so many things you can do with this. So if you consider what kind of stuff you like on your pasta, there's like a spaghetti buffet and they just go down the line and everybody's happy and mom's happy and that's my spaghetti. So that is a great idea. I think my kids would actually think that was super fun. I bet they'd be mixing the marinara and the Alfredo and having like a restaurant or something. They'd probably think it was so fun. Yeah. And it's super easy. So it's like Hawaiian haystacks or tacos or whatever, but my kids are hit and miss on all the others. They love spaghetti. So it's just the one meal that makes everybody happy. Love it. Love it. Okay. That's going on my list. We're going to have a spaghetti buffet. <laughs> what about the best trip you've ever gone on? Or do you have a dream vacation? Oh, I love to take the kids to do experiences. I just think it, it prevents them from setting up a whole bunch of different playdates or activities. I am no longer the taxi and our family life is more combined. That being said, they cost money, right? So we don't yes. always have tons of money to just take everybody to Europe or on a Disney cruise <laughs> or whatever. So since I have not yet been able to do any of those really fancy things. Well, and everything's so shut down now anyway, we're all trying to figure that out, how to have our adventurous life at home. <laughs> so what, I, what we do is, and we were able to do this during COVID, is we like to find a house to rent. And it's one of those um, where we're in charge of our space and we can do with it whatever we want. And just being in a different space is fun for the kids. And our favorite, favorite thing is to just be on the beach. So we'll do, we were just in Destin, Florida, which I don't know what part of the world everybody here will be watching is from, but it's about 10 hours from our house. So it's kind of a drive, but if you cross the Mississippi, the water turns from brown to like this brilliant blue green. So we love to go to the white sandy beaches of Destin and they have houses or condos in all price ranges there. And we just love to grab one and stay in it for a full week, if not more. And we were able to do that during COVID. Um, lake houses are the same kind of fun for us. We like water, I guess. Um, we love to go up to Broken Bow, Oklahoma, because there's- I've never lake. been there and that's been on my radar lately. I think we need to go. It's like glam camping because you have this beautiful cabin and it sometimes has granite countertops and everything. And then there's this fire pit out back. So, and you're in a woods <laughs> of about an acre. So you can, you can like live in a pine forest woods, sort of kind of by yourself and have this fire pit. So we did like foil dinners and stuff, but then you go to bed in these nice, comfortable beds. Yeah, this is so for me. <laughs> so we're into houses. We just love that. We don't let, we just love the combined togetherness and, you know, of a house. So that's our favorite thing to do. And we've had a lot of really good family bonding and great memories. Um, Key West is a good place to do that though. In Key West, they actually have yachts that you can rent like they're a house. Oh my gosh. You don't leave the marina. So it's kind of like one of those, you all get a boat in this yacht, you get a bed in this yacht and you have a kitchen and everything. It's like your little house, but you're in an actual yacht. So anyway, that's an idea too. It's that just, is cool. I've never heard of that. You can look it up. They, we, the one we found was in Key West. So 
we're closer to Florida than other beaches right now. So that's just, that's our choice for, you know, for the time that we're here in Texas. But also those Destin beaches are just, they're like the Caribbean. Just gorgeous. So yeah. They are. It's like going to Mexico. They're so pretty. Yeah. Oh, so fun. Okay. I love those ideas. Do you have a homemaking hack for us? Well, I was like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't think I, I don't think I'm smarter than any other mom out there. So you guys have probably all thought of this. Um, there's a couple that I have. One, one of them is just breakfast in two minutes. You can buy microwave pancakes and microwave bacon and you think, ew, gross, but no, no, no. There's a good brand. And okay. What's this brand? We need to know about it. There's a microwave bacon and you're like thinking, what? But it's pre-cooked microwave bacon and it's black label bacon microwave ready. <gasps> okay. And Hormel makes it. So you can like, and it's good. It takes 30 seconds on one side, flip the bacon over 30 seconds and you've got bacon. So there's no greasy mess. There's no yucky pan. It smells good. So that's that. And then there's these, now I'm a, I'm a pancake snob. My husband's mom makes the fluffiest best pancakes in the world so this is a little bit hard to 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 say but you can actually <laughs> microwave buttermilk pancakes and they're really good and it's like another minute there it's like buttermilk pancakes that come in a bag that's like tied at the top so they're in the refrigerator section and it's waffle backy bakers waffle bakers ah that it is so it's like it's like german this is why it's de like D Waffelbakers. So W A F E L B A K K E R S. That's why I can't figure it out. But those guys make really, really good, really good microwave pancakes. Okay. I've never tried a microwave pancake except for heating up a pancake that was left over from eating the day before or something yeah. like that. And those are yeah. all spongy and not that great at all. Yeah, they're fine, right? But these ones actually taste like it's like not, it's not a cop out. It's a really good breakfast. So anyway, that's my, and then the other hack I have just is silly. The older I get, the more I forget everything. I, can, I can't I forget everything. Too. Thing. <laughs> I don't remember anything. Like five minutes later, it's all gone. So this is a really <laughs> weird hack, but I use sticky notes and physical reminders. Not even my phone can't help me with some of this stuff. Like I can get a reminder and forget between the time of the reminder and the actual, I have to do it. So I use physical reminders. I will stick something in front of my door that I have to stumble over in order to not forget things. I will put sticky notes everywhere that I will see. I just have a list, like kind of a path of reminders so that I physically cannot forget. <laughs> so anyway, that sounds really bad. But so that's if you have soccer this afternoon, then you put the soccer jersey and the ball yeah. in a bag right in front of your bedroom door so that you're going to trip over it and make sure you don't forget it. Yes, absolutely. I think that's also, actually a great idea. The other mother hack, though, is if it were soccer, that would be my kid's job. Like, I tell them right. to be in charge of their own stuff. But yes, that's a good example. Like, I would say this, you know, or I would tell the kid, put it in front of my door <laughs> so I don't forget <laughs> soccer. <laughs> but yeah, that's exactly what I do. So, I that's mean, I'm, a great I'm idea. Yeah, well, no, I, but I, but you figured out a way to figure to like remember. I think that's great. Then just throwing your hands up and saying, "I'm just going to be forgetful." Yeah. I love that you found a way to get around that because I need those reminders too. Well, my problem is I'll get so many reminders in my phone. I'm like, I don't even remember what any of these alarms are for. It's true. <laughs> no, I, yes, and so I don't know. I, yeah, I just think we're all we have a lot going on in our brains all the time. We're very much multitaskers. And I think the older you get, the more you just forget stuff. It's just a thing. 
Yes. Yes. (laughs) You have too many stories going on in that brain. We can't, we can't worry about all these little piddly things in our everyday life. That's probably what really is happening. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Jen, this has been so much fun. I've loved getting to know you and hearing more. It makes me just want to create more memories and have more of a family story after thinking about our family life being a story. I just think that that's so great. Is there anything that you wanted to leave our friends that are listening with? It's just kind of like one last thing. If we got to put all this in a nutshell, how would you sum it up? I would say um, to whoever is listening, if you're trying, you're doing great. And I feel like take care of yourself and be able to take care of those around you. Look to the people who need you. And remember that um, doing things like reading good stories and and being involved in stuff that gives you a break and a reset in the tiny amounts of time that you have are some is really valuable and worthy time spent. Um, use those hacks, you know, keep listening to Hillary, read a good book on a couch, um, share that with your kids so that they'll be raised readers also. And give yourself a really good break and a pat on the back. I feel like, um, especially during these past few months that we've been living, moms particularly, or women in general, a lot of the burden of the happiness burden has been on our shoulders. So recognize that and give yourself an emotional break and take your time, take those moments that you need. So that's my little soapbox. Perfect. Perfectly put. Thank you so much for being with us, Jen. Thank you for having me. I loved it. I appreciate it. So don't forget, make sure you jump in and get in on that giveaway. You can rate, review to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, or you can make a comment with a little uh, tag one of your friends in one of our social posts, or subscribe to our newsletter to be able to be entered into that drawing. So a signed copy of A Foreign Crown by Jen Beckel-Johnson. And I was so excited. I actually bought one of her books in between the time we recorded and the time that I'm releasing this, and it was super cute. It's called The Duke's Second Chance, and it's really would be really fun if you're traveling and you need something really light and fast. It's only 150 pages-ish, so it's not super long. Um, just kind of a fun little clean romance. So anyway, I hope that you go grab her books, go follow Jen. She's super awesome, and I just am so happy we could have her with us.